Hello, welcome to Drop a Line. This is Parita. And I'm Edwina. How is it going, Edwina? I think it's going well. You think? Uh, yeah, I think so. It it takes some time for me to think about my response because I try to be honest whenever people ask me that. But, I mean, we are all socialized to have these responses. Um, yeah that speak more to niceties and politeness and what other people really want to hear when they ask, how are you? than actually being honest about how you're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Whenever I'm at work, like since I'm always like really, you know, busy or walking around, I always, whenever someone's like, Oh, Hey, how are you doing? Like in passing, like a colleague or something. All right. Um, just because like, it's not like, I'm not terrible or anything, but I guess they interpret it as that. So like, I've, I have this one coworker whenever I'm just like, or he visits me in my office or something and he asks like, how are you doing? And I'm like, all right. Then he's like, aw. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't say it was bad or terrible or sad or anything. Like, it's okay. But I think everyone kind of just expects to say, expects to hear good, I guess. Yeah. No, I totally get it. I've thought about this a lot. I've talked about this a lot especially with people from North America. I don't think that this is really, this topic is really interesting for me because whenever I go outside of Europe or I meet people from North America, I feel like this is a bigger deal mm-hmm. Yeah. Than, than here in the Netherlands. I don't know. People just don't ask you. When people see you, they don't necessarily ask you like how you're doing and whatever yeah uh, yeah yes they would but no one just says like good and then you just move on to the actual thing that you want to talk about right I don't know. it's not it's just not I'm sure it happens it's just not as pronounced yeah over here I think how are you has just become like a very immediate extension of hi it's it's I think it's meant to say hi it's like hey how you doing that's just like a thing like a full that's uh, expanded high. But it's also the expectation, like you just mentioned, the whole, the expectation that you're supposed to say good. And if yeah. you're not doing well, then then something is wrong. But no, one is, no one's ever like 110% good all the time. Absolutely. I don't know. It's just a very strange, <laughs> strange yeah. expectation. Yeah, part of it might be like they don't necessarily, they're just saying hi to like reach like, start a conversation about something else but how you doing just kind of comes in and then anything other than good just kind of catches someone off guard they're like oh now I have to respond to this yeah yeah <laughs> and just to make a seamless segue I think when you have these kinds of expectations um, and this kind of standard on people that they're all just doing good all the time. This can also impact one's impression of everyone else's like quality of life um, in relation to yours, which might not be as great as people are portraying because everyone is apparently doing so well and having a great time doing whatever they're doing. Um, yeah. yeah, so our topic today focuses on mental health and specifically on self-care so I think this was a good way of you know starting the episode and (laughs) seamlessly segueing into this yes snaps snaps for your segue yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, because I do think that uh, there are a lot of messages in society that make people think that everyone is doing, not doing well, I want to say, but is just effortlessly doing well all the time. For sure, yeah. I think we always want to, like, there's that pressure to put your best self forward. Whether, I mean, I guess there's also, it comes with that comes like the impression of what your best self is, whether it's you being authentic in everything you're feeling or whether it's you just being like acting as though you're completely excelling and completely um, game to life's challenges, like all the time in front of people outside of your home. Yeah. And this, in my experience has very heavily impacted how I think of myself and how I'm doing because when I am with myself and my thoughts um, I get to see all of the struggles I get to experience all of the dips um, and the highs of my life and it's not as effortless as it is portrayed or as is um, as I'm understanding it or from from the messages that I see in society Uh, so I do think that learning that and being conscious of that has been something that has been beneficial to me in maintaining my self-care but it is very difficult because in in society in whatever sphere whatever occupation you work in we do live in a very hyper competitive um culture where it is exactly as you said like people are, are continuously fronting or feeling like they have to front yeah for sure and that can be so draining and I like what you said about you know kind of taking time to recognize feelings within yourself and accepting them and you know being at least honest with yourself about them so that you can sort of practice that in other contexts because I imagine if I remained in a place where I was always responding just good and always having to put put on I guess for for others around me I'd probably be drained just because I am I would you know classify myself as an introvert um Mm -hmm. and so having to you know there's some days even having to interact with somebody or even answer somebody um can get a little too much because I there you know you feel an expectation you feel an expectation to like converse and be upbeat and be uplifting or um add to someone's day I guess in a in a more happy way but Mm -hmm. you you can't always do that so um I think it's important and beneficial for people to be able to recognize their own emotions when they have you know in that time alone that they have to themselves so that you know they can kind of authentically communicate that in in varying contexts you know like like for example at work I'm not necessarily gonna divulge why I'm feeling the way I am depending on who the person is or like the time limits that we have for our conversations but you know I I don't necessarily have to be all sprightly and very uh, beaming and I guess even giving the impression that I'm willing to have like a very full-length conversation 
because mm-hmm. as an introvert, like I can recognize when I kind of want to cut things short and be by myself a little bit and just sort of recharge and make sure I have things organized so that I feel more organized externally and I can make space in my head to have more fulfilling conversations with people for the rest of the day or even the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as my therapist has told me, um, also in my journey of maintaining self-care and, you know, meeting my needs for all aspects of my life, like, these are not things that are, you know, menial because once you are able to meet your needs, then you are able to also be better at attuning to and be in a better position to attuning to the needs of others if you want. Otherwise, if you neglect yourself, then you're not at the capacity to do any of that at, at any at any way that is good for you and the other person involved. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's not even just about yourself. It's fostering better relationships, better communication. And I guess it ultimate, ultimately you know, leads to more fulfillment, leads to more connection authenticity and I don't see why that wouldn't make everyone in your environment happier or more satisfied or more um appreciative I guess of their own emotions yeah yeah I I tend to struggle with this particular thing that we're talking about if we're talking about like handling people um in a way that goes against the grain of constantly being upbeat and, and joyous and whatever. I I tend to feel like I struggle with that the most if I'm in a professional situation and if I'm like networking with people specifically. So with going to conferences and summer schools and whatever, I feel like there's usually a lot of people in one place and they're not going to be there in for, for a very long time. It's either like you get to know them, you get to make an impression at that point or or you don't, you know? So there's there's some stake involved um, and it can be very exhausting. Like usually these things are two, two or three days long and then you just have to continuously sell yourself. Um, and as I, as I mentioned before, like being in a rather competitive environment in some way, like having to sell yourself as a person or sell your ideas as a person, that gets very, very exhausting. So yeah, I, I say this to say like this this is personally a challenge for me because I think that other people can relate to other professional or, or maybe even social situations where they feel like they have to be on the ball because they're expected to be on the ball about these kinds of things. Um, and maybe there's not a whole lot of wiggle room, wiggle room around it. For sure, yeah. Different contexts kind of provide these different pressures on how you present yourself and how you're expected to present yourself, how you choose to, um, and whether you meet expectations. And I guess in ways that's unfortunate. Um, because but at, I mean, at the same time... Um, like when people ask me how are you doing I try to be as honest as possible and I think that's somehow a little subversive a little you know going against the grain of what is usually done so there there also have been times 
in these settings where I've met really cool people who have been able to understand um, my own boundaries yeah. where I'm not feeling up to it and, you know, it's not personal at all. For sure. And I think that's that's where, you know, knowing your own, knowing yourself and knowing your emotions comes in because just because you're not necessarily in an upbeat mood or like in a very bouncy mood or in a mood... Um, like a very jovial mood, there is a way of like communicating honestly, but still, I guess, whether it's professionally or um, in a friendly way, there, there is a way to communicate these emotions without necessarily like impacting the mood of others if it's different than your own mood. It is, I think doing this maybe because you go against the norm puts you in a bit of a vulnerable position because you are not going against you're not going with the norm yeah. um specifically if you're if you're talking about like not great how you're how you're not doing great yeah. um but I, I i think that in the larger picture it's maybe good to normalize these kinds of things because it's something that everyone goes through and maybe that vulnerability doesn't feel great at that moment but it does contribute to you know something something a little more realistic Mm -hmm. yeah at some point somewhere someone's gonna appreciate that you said something so authentic that you know that they can perhaps relate to either then or in the past or in the future so I mean all in all like ultimately beneficial I would think I mean, what is, what is, I'm just curious, like, what is something that you said that's maybe caught someone off guard in response to just, like, if they've asked how you're feeling? Oh, this has happened so many times to me. Oh, my God. Really? So, <laughs> yes. Yes, it has. I was once on a vacation with a very good friend of mine in Prague, and we were staying at a hostel. And hostels are usually places where, you know, people who travel there, travel to a country alone, they go to a hostel to meet up with people, to, to like, engage socially with other backpackers, with other travelers. So this is a setting that is rather social for yeah. the accommodation. Um, and I remember we went out and my friend was actually harassed by people um, in the metro. And there were several things that had gone wrong on that day and it wasn't a great day um so i we we went back to the hostel and the receptionist asked us how we were doing mm-hmm. I, and i let him have it i was like oh we're actually not doing great like my friend she was harassed on the train like on the metro and then this went wrong and then this went wrong and then like the guy didn't know what to say afterwards <laughs> there was no yeah. there was no reaction from him yeah um, and i guess I don't know. I guess my my friend had like a better gauge for these things, right. um, so we were able to remove ourselves from that situation without, <laughs> I guess, continuing the the awkward feel. But really, yeah. like, <laughs> why would he? Why would he ask if he didn't want to know? I know. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I guess I don't know. If maybe that's how that person perceived perceived it. But it's almost become at least in North America, it's become just like an extension of like, hello, like people don't, it's almost like it's an unintentional, they're like, oops, I 
freaking asked you a question. Shit. Now you have to answer it. Now I got to answer you back. But it's yeah. just immediate, <laughs> like, yeah. like, continuation of hello. You see it in their eyes as well sometimes. <laughs> they're just like, <laughs> they're just oh, like. Oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> But maybe to to stray a little away from impression management things, mm-hmm. um, since I, the original idea was to talk about self-care and I guess like our own personal takes of how we take care of our health. Yeah. I guess not just mental health, but like mental, physical, spiritual, social health and whatever. Um, sure. Are there things that, you specifically do or you want to do to maintain your health yeah for sure for self-care like I mentioned before since I'm an introvert I recognize that I do need time alone in order to recharge especially if I've spent a lot of time with a lot of people amongst a lot of people and so mm-hmm. that for me is self-care is like being able to just be alone with myself and being okay with it and not like judging myself for it or thinking that there's anything wrong with it and just sort of being able to have that recharge. And that has no, you know, nothing to do with who the other people are, other people at all. It's just, you know, who I am. And that took me a while to sort of come to grips with. Like it was always... I don't know, growing up, I always wondered why I wasn't as, like, um, boisterous or, like, not necessarily boisterous, but very um, active in social situations, like, large social situations. I just wasn't able to be very communicative with a lot of people at a time. And I guess it just took me this time, you know, kind of getting independent, um, you know, leaving home to kind of realize like it's completely normal to want to have to want to like spend time alone so that you can uh, spend more fulfilling time with people that you care about and that you want to give your time to. Mm-hmm. So in the past, have you struggled with FOMO, with fear of missing out? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd be like, I kind of don't want to go here. But if I don't go, then I just, then I'll be known as the person that didn't go, you know? And it's, you know, sometimes one emotion would win out over the other. As in, like, sometimes I decide to go just because everyone's, everyone was going and I have to be there and I felt like I have to be there. And then sometimes the other would win out where I'd, well, at the time I'd try to find an excuse to be like, oh, um, my mom said no or something like that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure someone can relate, you know, you kind of try, you got to make up an excuse and kind of get yourself out of the situation. But now I think I'm able to be a lot more authentic where I'm like, "Eh, I'm not not quite feeling it tonight or I'm not feeling it today, but Mm -hmm. maybe another time. And yeah, so that's something that's come out of a little bit more self-reflection. So And like, in addition to that, there's also things like, I think some, I think part of self-care that gets neglected is the not so fun and fluffy aspects of it. You know, self-care could also include like 
I don't know, spa days or like massages or like little, like watching TV and stuff like that. But then there's also the, the scarier, more like effortful side of it, such as like going to the gynecologist or going to see your doctor or going to therapy, things that require like this conscious effort or, you know, like making an effort to be more organized because you recognize that's a weakness of yours that's been contributing to like, um, I guess, not so great feelings in your life. So yeah, that's something that I have been trying to improve on specifically, like trying to keep up with my physical health. Mm. Yeah. 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 I'm with you there. Like um, a couple of years ago, maybe not even that many years ago, actually, like there were constant bouts where I wasn't feeling super great. Um, and I knew that I wanted to see a psychologist about it. Like I, I was convinced that seeing a psychologist would be helpful for me, but I delayed it for so long, longer than than <laughs> ever necessary, longer than it was healthy for me, actually. Um, and I really had to like, I don't know, grind my gears to like set up an appointment to see that person. Um, And the first psychologist that I went to actually wasn't a good fit for me. Well, that person actually refused me. And that was really um, hard on me because I had mustered all of this energy and all of this like mental psyche to finally take that step. Um, And then there was still a barrier that I had to go through. Like I had to redo the whole finding a person going to the person and whatever whatever um so it took a lot of energy for me but I knew that it was something that was going to be helpful for me um from that point onwards um and that's why like today it it, and because I know it's something that is helpful for me it's still something that I continuously invest in that I have to be very mindful about in scheduling like I need to regularly routinely see my psychologist um and I have to be mindful about things that I want to talk to her about and be very action oriented uh and I see it very much like how how you maintain your physical health as well for example um I have very flat feet so I recently went to the physiotherapist and she's like, every day you have to do these exercises so that you can not get flat feet anymore. Because what happens is the arches of your feet, like they become so weak that they they don't really do what they have to do anymore. And you walk improperly and it's not good for like your posture and everything in the end. So people who have that can more easily understand that every day they have to put in work they have to make a schedule to do these exercises in order to improve a physical element that is being the strength of the arches. So it's the same thing, I think, for like your mental health. Um, if you see something that is going to be helpful for you and you know that you want to maintain, you want to improve your mental health, then it's the same kind of process. Exactly. It's, it's a lot of effortful, you know, conscious efforts involved, uh, effortful work involved. And that tidbit about the um, the physiotherapist that you went to. I also have flat feet, so, feet, so I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I should probably <laughs> look into as well. Like what? I didn't know. Yeah, I do, and yeah, apparently, like when I walk, one of my feet like kind of 
puts more pressure on the center of the soul or whatever. But anyway, that's an aside. But I, that's, something <laughs> that I do. And that's something that I will put in my little self-care list to self. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really important because even like physical health uh, does kind of does affect you mentally. Like I struggle with allergies and I've like all throughout my time growing up in St. Martin, I never had them. And, you know, it's uh, like, it's silly, but my family always thought it was just like a myth because like, you know, like if you're healthy, then you don't get allergies. And then I came to the States and I, I wasn't particularly unhealthy, but you know, I just kind of developed these allergies. Um, and I, for a long time, never took care of it. And it's something that affects like even today affects my life to the point where I do get very distressed about it just mm-hmm. emotionally and mentally. And it does kind of um, lessen my reserve to like my, or in my stamina throughout the day. And that just ultimately like depletes emotional resources. Uh, so, you know, you never really take the time to think about how something physical or like something like medical health, like an allergy can affect your, your emotional health and your daily life. Yeah. So finally yeah. start taking care of that a little bit more. So I've just been feeling, you know, better because I'm a lot more productive now. So I feel better about myself. I get more stuff done. I'm not as drained. It also happens the other way around, right? Like with your mental health manifesting and physical symptoms, like both as as psychologists, I guess we know about like psychosomatic stuff. Um, and like if you're going through a thing, it might show up in, you know, physical signs that you might not ex- expect. Like, I don't know, chronic, chronic pain, chronic headaches, chronic stomach aches, stuff like that. Um, like I've had, I've had um, friends who, you know, they've, they keep having chronic issues and then they go to see a doctor and there's nothing wrong physically. Um, but they, they have troubles in their lives that, you know, it's very hard to address and, you know, it might be something that contributes to it, for example. For sure. For sure. Stress is like the scariest thing in the world. It seems like it has so many manifestations and it has just its roots and so many different illnesses and at least contributes to actual somatic um, illnesses, you know, that whether it exacerbates them. So, and stress is something that can be aided with self-care or self-help at times. I know there is a distinction between self-help and self-care. I think self-help tends to speak a bit more about like physical health and uh, keeping on track with you know, how you want to feel, um, mm-hmm. like more of the effortful stuff and self-care has come to be associated with more like, I guess, leisurely or, mm. yeah. yeah I didn't know that there was this distinction. Yeah, I hadn't known either, but I think I'd read it, just sort of skimmed through it um, leading up to this episode when I was just reading up a little bit. I just remembered that that was a distinction that was made and I feel like now it's just kind of been fused together where like, you know, self-help, self-help, help is self-care, but um, I can see how there can be a distinction just based on the wording of it. Yeah, it's good to have 
those differences in mind um, mm-hmm. because before I just thought of it as self-care as one big thing and then it divides into Instagram self-care mm-hmm. and actual self-care you know because yeah. I, I also was telling you how um, I went on this YouTube binge and there are so many YouTube bloggers now YouTube bloggers um, and so many of them have something about self-care and it's usually mm-hmm. like oh look at me make this latte in the morning and here is my like facial regime thing and look at me clean up my house and you know it's it's <laughs> I don't know like it's it's one particular way of self-care I'm not saying that it's it excludes that completely but it's like you said it's not all about things that give you immediate pleasure sometimes people do need that sometimes people do need to be able to take a break for themselves and just enjoy that moment I get that um Mm. but I I think we really have to think about longer term commitments that is also self-care like what we just talked about Um, Also with the topic of like toxic friendships or toxic relationships and being very mindful of not falling into the same harmful patterns um, with certain people. That's also something that I would consider self-help under self-care. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I I like what you said about the Instagram self-care because absolutely like I agree with you. It's become kind of a marketable thing, you know, self-care has been associated with so many things that can be gained monetarily um, that it's just become this market. And like you said, it is, you know, these aspects or these these things that are depicted in social media can be used as forms of self-care, but long-term self-care needs to be focused on as well. And, you know, we I guess we, you know, as a society, kind of need to get better at that. Whether it's, you know, facing stigma, I guess, specifically like mental health stigma and recognizing when you're stressed and when you need to do something about it or what you can, what what are your options for doing something about it? I think that's a big thing that needs to be tackled for sure. Stigma seems to be something that's still like kind of slowly kind of creeping away, but I think a lot of people still might have you know, stigma about um, recognizing mental health or recognizing emotional well-being. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, you, I think there are still many pockets in society where it's it's still highly stigmatized, and it is still quite a big obstacle for people to get over in order to not even mm-hmm. seek professional help necessarily, but to recognize that it's an issue and then think of consequent steps consequent concrete steps with I've I've had friends and I've met people who go through very not very stressful but like you know go through the ups and downs of their lives and they realize that they are routinely being distressed but like their way is that their their way of thinking or their mindset is that like oh eventually it will go away Right. Um, I think as as a way to justify not having to think about the concrete steps that need to be taken to make certain things 
maybe not necessarily go away, but for them to cope with them in a healthier way. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like this learned helplessness thing where they feel like, you know, this too shall pass. And sometimes it might, but then other times it might pass and it might come back and you haven't quite equipped yourself with ways to deal with it. So it's just something that recurs until it becomes even an even bigger problem that kind of pervades your life, your work, your family. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I get it. I get it. It's it's a tough... It's something that I think a lot of people go through. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely went through it when I was like, oh, should I go to a psychologist? Should I not go to a psychologist? Um, where I felt like, oh, well, maybe this is just life, you know? Like, life is, like, full of ups and downs, and I just got to take it, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, with every low, there's a high. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know. I guess people don't necessarily, they don't see if you are able to dedicate some effort into it, it doesn't have to be as hard as it is now. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, people do, and it's anybody, anybody has a hard time just sort of coming to terms with the fact that they, there is something that could be done and that they could do in order to feel differently. Like even, so me being a counselor myself, um, I've encountered, in, like that doesn't exclude myself, I've encountered other counselors that haven't sought therapy in their life. Um, I have now recently, but um, before, like until recently, I hadn't. And there is, there tends to be this mentality where like, well, I'm a counselor, so I mean, I should I've learned certain tools to sort of counsel myself. And sometimes that might be true where you have spent enough time, um, I guess, curating skills to sort of therapize your own self when you need it. But, you know, we, we do tend to reject, I guess, the idea of like seeking help from somebody else. Um, Mm. Yeah. So that definitely just requires that ethical, like, consideration and that acceptance that hey I, I'm going to ask somebody else for help and learn to take care of myself yeah yeah and this also happens with people who aren't in a field of psychology as well where I think people don't think of this as stigmatizing but people think oh I'm not so I guess I'm not so far gone, so therefore I don't need to do something about the distress or distressfulness that I am currently facing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I guess the comparison of problems like on a scale as though there's some problems that would really need some, like, really, like, need attention and, oh, I'd do something about it when it got to this level. But right now, it's I'm just leading a normal life and, you know, stresses come and go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, whenever, I know now we talk a lot about psychologists and seeking mental health services. Um, I don't think that it's limited to that when we talk about self-help or self-care. Um, but there are times where I tell people that I'm seeing a psychologist and then, Um, people think like, oh, are you depressed? Are you burnt out? Are you, you know, 
name a pathology here, psychopathology here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just like, oh no, like last week I talked to my therapist and I was talk- talking to her about like strategies for my move next week because it's really stressful. And then people are so underwhelmed with yeah. my problems. <laughs> but like literally, this, like these small things, I also go to my th- my psychologist to talk to a, about, absolutely. talk about with her as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what it's meant for. And I, I, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that perception um, that therapy is used as a tool for just kind of general general life, either stressors or successes and how to, you know, maintain a sense of, um, or strategize, maintain a sense of like, satisfaction or skill set to kind of manage your life. But I I also realized that not everyone has access to mental health services as much as I'd hope that it would be very accessible to anyone. Um, Like I I, I do earn a salary and I am able to pay for this every month. Or, you know, if you live in a country where you don't have to have health insurance or you can get away with not having health insurance, then... Yeah, like it, it might not be covered by your insurance. You might not have insurance and stuff like that. So I also don't want the self-care episode to seem like, oh, you have to see a mental health professional ASAP or else you're doing something wrong. Um, no, of course yeah. not. It's more about, you know, self-awareness, knowing, kind of taking time to understand who you are, what you need in terms of either communication um, what you need from people around you, what you need to do yourself to feel more fulfilled in the life that you lead, whether it's therapy or something else. Yeah, I, I guess all in all, just understanding what your boundaries are and being able to articulate those boundaries both to yourself and to other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like I, I have, I mean, I have personally have a tendency to get really excited about many, many, many different projects. Um, and I mean, I have to rein myself in sometimes to be like, you, you are just one person and you can't do all of these things. So I'd have to, and, and this strategy works for me. Like I would have to like literally list down everything that I want to do and then see it for myself that this is so much and then physically cross them out for a human person to handle. Oh yeah, absolutely. That makes that makes sense. And it's good that you can recognize that like you you know, you use a strategy such as like literally writing it down and so I think that in itself is an act of self-care. And for me, I mean, I'm not I guess I'm the same way. Like I do need to focus on one thing at a time. I need to accomplish one goal at a time as opposed to several um, because that would definitely be kind of bogging me down and I'd feel like I wouldn't accomplish as much if I'm doing it all together. So recognizing that, like, you know, that's commendable as like a self-care strategy. Or even things like there are certain thoughts in my families that sometimes get to me. And, you know, these are situations where a lot of people don't like face criticism from their family or something or they hear a comment or something and they're super bugged out by it. Um, I think everyone can recognize a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for me, having to realize that I can't, 
like there's only so much I can do to change people, specifically um, my family with this case. Um, and having to constantly think about this, like take a piece of criticism and say like, this is something that says more about where they're coming from. And, you know, it says more about them and um, the context around them than it actually is geared towards me. Like, it's not about me. Like, this is something actively that I've always had to like, you know, dredge up um, and have in my mind in order to like, not sink into, you know, criticism because that is something that can easily bog me down. Yeah, of course. And that's where like your practice of self-care becomes most challenging because it's your parents. Like those are people that you genuinely care about. You care about their opinions. You care about, you know, what they say to you. So still having that recognition within yourself that, you know, they are separate people. Um, And although, you know, they're my family and I, I love them very much and I care for them. I also have to recognize myself in this instance and not let, you know, criticisms like, like these, you know, affect how I see myself. So many, many different possibilities, not just uh, Instagram, social media kind of self-care or self-help. Yes. Uh, yeah, men- mental health professionals, if you can, if you are able to, um, I don't know, knowing your boundaries, enforcing those boundaries and not being apologetic about it. Yeah, for sure. Recognizing your relationships to people and how can they be enriched, whether it means being alone or being amongst others. Um, um, like you mentioned, like toxic friendships. Um, that's something that's important to recognize. And I guess not to like go into a whole nother subject, but you mentioned Instagram with the whole Instagram culture. Um, I think we're kind of almost warping back into this space where like, you know, toxic friendships might occur and not be recognized as readily Mm -hmm. just because of the, you know, social media wanting to be a part of something um, without kind of cultivating the depth of a genuine, authentic um, caring friendship. Mm-hmm. Another topic for another day. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, but in short, I mean, toxic relationships, toxic friendships, nip that shit in the bud, man. Oh, sure. It's not good. It's not Cut good. It I know it's another topic. It's not good, guys. Cut it out. Cut it out. Uh, I think that's all we have for today, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we've pretty much covered it. But of course, you know you ever had anything to add or if you had like a little anecdote of you know your own experiences with self-care then you should definitely drop us a line yeah drop us a line you know on our page on our facebook page or on our instagram drop a dot line uh you can also give us a private shout out if you know us personally or if you want to look us up personally and give us some positive vibes or constructive vibes you're always welcome to that we love hearing from you guys um we hope that this was relatable for you and we hope you take care of yourself and you're doing well um if not then you're you know working towards it and taking things one day at a time for sure and thanks for bearing with us i know you haven't heard from us in a while but um we thank the people that are sticking with us because we have a lot more to come 
Yeah. All right. Bye. Drink some water. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Touch your dog. Yeah.